3: Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: Yes, yes.
2: Welcome into Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Some people call it Tim and Little Tex. I'm Lil Tex. Howdy. <laughs> A lot of little Texas coming from Horton Watkins High School, AKA Ledoux, home of the Rams. Jeremy Rutherford going to be in studio with. He was already in studio when I walked in. Yeah, I know. And he was trying to play audio for Michelle Smallman. And then I come in just like spitting takes. <laughs> I'll tell you another thing about these blues. And she's like, yeah, I wanted to hear the audio, but, you know. Yeah, when, it we me. Have, when we have I'm just takes. rude.
0: Right. But when we have takes, they're going to be heard.
2: Yes, Doesn't... even if we're not on the air. Right. Uh, so, Jeremy Rutherford with us. Uh, it's becoming a Friday tradition here during the Blue season at 10-15. I bet people are a little uh, pissy this morning, and I understand it. Mm. That's an alarming one. Now, I know I'm talking <laughs> to you, and you didn't witness a second of it, which is fine. You said that yesterday, uh-huh. and you got the NCAA tournament exemption. Right. But I'm just telling you, it's not going to play well. And the game, considering how it went against yet another subpar team, and in this case, a team that just flat out sold uh, and basically shut her down for the remaining 20 games or so of the regular season, and the Blues look like that, man, this is, uh, and here's the thing, it's getting a little tight. It's getting a little tight. Two Fridays ago, if I'm not mistaken, one of the questions in Little (laughs) Texas Friday parlay was whether or not the Blues would make the playoffs. I feel like we've had that asked.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think both of us said yes.
2: Yeah, you were at 70%. I was at 67%. But a couple of weeks ago when you brought it up initially, I'm like,
0: look at Jackson yeah. saying the
2: Blues aren't going to make the playoffs. And now I'm kind of like, oh, God, the Blues are going to make the playoffs. Yeah,
0: Well, it's a season of runs. Maybe they'll go on a run here and... uh End of the playoffs, hot. That's what you want.
2: So uh, this is uh, something that we will welcome, just like we do on Fridays when uh, JR is in studio. Your questions, comments, thoughts. Everything is welcome, and uh, maybe it's a good thing that they're playing a team with 91 points tomorrow because if they're playing a team that's full of guys who are just basically trying to get jobs and, <laughs> and keep jobs in the NHL, it seems to be problematic this year. It is so strange. Yeah. I mean, Craig Bruby last night after the games, like he was like in awe of the fact that they didn't have a shot for, what was it, the first 11 minutes. I don't know what to make of the whole thing. I cannot, I don't know if I've ever been more confused by a Blues team over the last X amount of years. This is is really unique to the way things have worked. And whereas this time three years ago... Uh, you were, and granted, it was later in the season at this point on, uh, what is it now, March 25th? Is that correct, yes, Nurse? Yes, Thank you. Yes, I mean, at that point, probably only had like five to seven more regular season games left. Different deal this year with the schedule being pushed back. But with that said... You were like, let's just get to the postseason and fine. Winnipeg, great team, doesn't matter. Nobody's playing better than the Blues. Right now it's like, oh, God, if the postseason started today, what level of confidence would you have? At the same time, two days ago, I'm standing here talking about their performance against the Capitals, and you're like, this couldn't be any better. They just played a great team on the road and played a really good game. So that's the thing. It's just this 180 degrees thing, and oftentimes we're talking about it against these randos like the devils they've been a burr in the saddle right and so now you got this one i, I can, for the life of me i can't figure it out you're welcome to vent with jeremy rutherford that's coming up 10:15 in studio text in your questions queries comments whatever blows your hair back 65780 but let's talk a little bit about the tournament because gonna it's going to be your only chance to talk tournament <laughs> Jackson, you were looking forward to Duke-Texas Tech. You were looking forward to Arkansas-Gonzaga, and the only yep. bracket, the East bracket. No, the West bracket. Is that the West bracket? West bracket. West bracket that yep. had all four top seeds make it to the Sweet 16 of the tournament. Yeah. Well, well, well. The top seed in the tournament is gone, and Texas Tech, the team that you had circled, is no longer with us. Yeah. Mike Krzyzewski is advancing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was two great games to watch, and... Eric Musselman, you know SEC. I guess Arkansas is Missouri's rival, even though it really doesn't feel like it at all. They play hard for Eric Musselman, and you can tell he's passionate about every single time they go on the court. He wants to win, and I just I I enjoy watching them. I enjoy because they're not. It's not like one guy. I mean, they did have one guy take twenty nine shots in a college basketball game, which is crazy, but. They play hard for each was other. that no time? Yeah. He no was time. firing them up
2: from everywhere. <laughs> he hey, Bill Raptory I could tell, was kind of getting frustrated with it. And even Reggie Miller, the wizard of taking shots, right, he exactly. made Clarence Gilbert look like he had discernment. Uh, and, and Reggie Miller's like, "What does he do?" <laughs> yeah,
0: but Gonzaga played poorly. I mean, when you're shooting so bad from three and you have a threat down low like Holmgren, Andrew, Timmy, you got to work the ball inside and get it back outside for the shots, not Two passes around the perimeter and then chuck it up. That's not gonna work. And Arkansas exposed them. And so, you know, another year of Gonzaga with a great team not winning a championship.
2: Uh one number one seed left and it's Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Are they the team you think is the team to beat right now in this tournament, or would you take somebody else? Would you look at Villanova?
0: <laughs> uh I think the Blue Devils are gonna be really oh, tough. Oh, to you beat. think it's
2: gonna be a fairy tale ending? Despite the way things ended for the final home game at Cameron Indoor Arena.
0: Yeah, I mean they have serious NBA talent in Paolo Banchero. He is unbelievable, and then they have Mark Williams, who can block every single shot. He blocked one yesterday with like, it was higher than his elbow, like with his bicep. He blocked one, uh, and then Griffin and uh, Wendell Moore, outstanding. They can they can beat any team in the country by 15 points if they want to. Like they are that good but they have to put it together and play defense on the other end. So I think Duke right now is the team to beat. But Arkansas is not messing around either. I mean, Gonzaga beating Gonzaga is no you know, small task. That was, a, that was a huge win for them. So I would say Duke is probably the team to beat. Uh, I'm interested to see how Purdue plays against St. Peter's. If they blow them out of the water, which I expect them to. You would lay the 12-and-a-half tonight. Absolutely. I would tease it. I would tease it up. I'm serious. I, Purdue, like St. Peter's is sitting on this for a week. You know, it's different playing in the round of 32 after a day after you win that game. You're just kind of, it's an out-of-body experience. Now that you've had a week to think about it, it's a little different, you know. Do you think
2: it's going to be in their head, and you're accusing the kids from St. Peter's of being <laughs> chokers right after they beat Kentucky and Murray State. How are you going to look the kids in the eyes from a 2,300 person school in New Jersey and tell them they're going to choke tonight against Bat Pater?
0: I don't think it's choking. I mean, I it's I, they've gotten this far. It's unbelievable. you said they're going to have
2: a week to think about it and that is why they are going to get waxed and you're laying the 12 and a half.
0: Well, I think that's why a 15 seeds number never made it past the Sweet 16. is because you have to go another week, and so you're sitting on that with so a So it's an
2: equalizer. So these great right. coaches have five days at least to prepare right. for a school that has 2,300 undergrads. Right,
0: and that's a thing that the tournament is also known for is, especially in that first weekend, if you're a team that's a you know, 7 or 10 team that's going to play, you're expecting to play that two-seed, so you prepare for that two seed the week prior. You know, if we beat this first team, this is who we're playing next, and it's going to be quick. When that completely turns and you're not facing a 15 seed that you've never really seen before, it can be a little You're different. saying the
2: kids from Murray State were caught off guard.
0: A little bit. Matt McMahon might have been they caught They were off circling guard. that matchup with
2: Kentucky. Kentucky.
0: Exactly. They're preparing for Ty Ty Washington and the Wildcats, but instead they play St. Peter's and they lose. Now that Matt Painter's got a week to look at St. Peter's tape, I think it's going to be a different story, especially with uh, – a. Top five pick in Jaden Ivy.
2: What about Rock Chalk and Providence?
0: Oh, man. I I expect Rock Chalk to, but they've lost a couple really bad games this year. So that one's, I mean, every tournament game is obviously up in the air, but I think Rock Chalk is probably safer. They were going into it. Gonzaga and Arizona were for sure the top two, one seeds, but I think Rock Chalk and Baylor, there was a big gap between them as well.
2: Well, I had Michigan in the finals.
0: (laughs) And Jay Wright.
2: And uh, Jay (laughs) Boyd. Saw Juwan Howard and said, I'll wrap it up.
0: Yeah, I mean, Don't strike run.
2: me. Shake my hand. It was a nice, surprising run to the Sweet 16. We're moving right. on.
0: Right. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. That's a uh, Michigan a team that wasn't expected to get in, got in, a lot of hate. But like you called, they made it. They...
2: Psycholo- the psychology of the 18, 19, 20-year-old is an edge in gambling. Right. I'm telling you. Because it can be, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know how to describe it. If you're, you're playing golf with somebody and you can kind of tell if you're playing a match against them, they're a little, they're, they're, they're tiltable is the word I would say. You can sure. kind of mentally manipulate them into folding up. Yeah. You can also, it also cuts the other way. And that's, that was my reason for being high on Michigan. Yeah. Um, and then you can see it in college football sometimes great programs go on the road in a weird atmosphere on a Saturday night and look like they're, uh, you know, yeah. at the bottom of their conference. It's For just, sure. it's a, it, but the, these are 18 and 19-year-olds. It's a different deal and they're even, you know, whereas it used to be, you know, you're going to see juniors and seniors playing, now you're seeing more freshmen and sophomores play or they're red-shirting and so they're, Uh, younger than what I think you saw 20 years ago. And so I do think you can either use that psychology to your advantage or it can work against you. I agree with you just from a psychological standpoint. I am anxious to see, because I think Purdue's a dangerous team overall. Absolutely. Much less when you're talking about playing against a team like St. Peter's. I will be pulling for St. Peter's, therefore I won't be wagering. Yeah, it's a good call. You St. know, because I want to see St. Peter's win. Right. And it's a, if but you're... if you told me I had to bet, I agree with you. This is this is one that in the second half they'll right. be like, oh, it was a great story, what a great run, and then they'll show the cutaways of the bench, and the kids are just looking stunned.
0: Right. The common denominator of all these 15 seeds making the Sweet 16 is they have a week in between their Round of 32 game and then their game uh, in the Sweet 16, and that is certainly a, a big factor into it because – Purdue is preparing for a team that, you know, didn't play anyone really at Purdue's level. So they're going to be ready.
2: All right. We are going to uh, take a break and then turn our attention to the Blues. Jeremy Rutherford in studio with us taking your questions. Your comments are welcome. 65780, Air Comfort Service text line. And uh, we'll interact here, talk it over. This will be therapeutic for all of us because this is a little uh, confusing It's now, when you look at the standings, a little concerning. So let's talk it over. Jeremy Rutherford in studio next here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN.
3: We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: Yes, yes. I felt like I hit the right pitch right there. Did you catch that, Jackson?
0: Oh, it was fantastic. Thank you.
2: Just so sincere on your part. (laughs)
0: Yes, yes, yes.
2: I'm going to do my own remixes. Why don't we just do remixes for an hour? We'll
0: be a music show. Yep.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, joining our music show today, talk about his favorite music, Jeremy Rutherford. Listen to this gallery. This gallery is charged
1: up. All right, keep the applause going, please. <laughs> I have pause line under the whole segment. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, brother? Not too much. Hey, uh, I texted you the other day. I couldn't believe it. Tim Jackson, I went to my son's hockey practice over at Afton and we're sitting in the bleachers, five dads, you know, all our kids are out on the ice. I'm thinking we're going to catch up. How are you doing? How's the wife? Look, nice shot by Joey here. Uh, I think he'll make the team. It's going to be fun. We have a game Saturday. No, guess what they're talking about? What are they talking about? For an hour are talking about
2: the balloon party. Balloon, balloon party. Balloon? This party. Are you sure they weren't thinking of another show? They
1: were talking about this show, and they were saying, "And Jackson, you know, he watches the NBA. You'd think that maybe he'd watch the Blues game, but he's watching the Utah nice. Jazz." I'm on, board, I'm on board with these yeah. dads.
3: Uh, <laughs> glad to have support.
1: <laughs> so it was amazing. So I had to move to a different section.
2: Good. <laughs> good. That's right.
1: Good for you. That's that right. Could, move. Was an
2: unhealthy section, obviously. <laughs> if you're if you're listening to this, yeah, Jackson uh, didn't watch a second of it last night, Jr. Well, but good, good for maybe a good him. Thing.
1: Yeah good for
0: you maybe yeah, a good thing seems to be right yeah the, the like the one of the few games i watched was that blues canadians game where uh in montreal where...
2: <laughs> yeah that was the game you committed to and it was
0: it was about as boring as one but then at the be.
2: same time i mean what how do you i i know you don't have an answer but i'm asking you because it's kind of therapeutic for me because i'm so confused by it how do you explain that like craig bruby last night almost was like Laughing in bewilderment himself, and he's like, Yeah, we didn't have a shot for what was it? The first, before that one shot, 10 the first or so, I mean, yeah. you're just going, what? How is that even possible? You know, what's going
1: on? Yeah, no, because they have that, a great game 48 hours earlier. Yeah, world beaters against Washington, and then that last night. Look, um, I started looking up the record last night against the bottom 10 teams in the league during the game. And you know, it's not an exact science because they played these teams earlier in the season. I'm looking at the bottom 10 teams as of today, but their record against those teams is 11 and nine. And so when they've suffered some of those losses throughout the season, you ask whether it be Baruby or Ryan O'Reilly, well, we didn't have a good period. We didn't play full 60, but we'll be better next game. But at a certain point when you're 11 and nine on the season against those teams at a certain point, it, it's not just a fluke this night or a fluke that night. It's a trend, right? And so last night I said to Craig Bruby, what is it? Like, why don't you play well against those teams? And he said, it's arrogance. And look, he's got a pulse of things. And I, you know, when he said that word, I didn't disagree with it. I don't know if it's you just throw your sticks out there. The one thing that Justin Falk added was, he thinks that the team believes they can score their way back into games, Tim. Yeah, and, and so you get down one nothing, two nothing. Who cares? We got seven guys who you know can score twenty goals. We can get back into this thing. So to me, that's one of the problems.
2: I think using that word arrogance—that's a—that's a powerful, even though it's only one word, it's a powerful statement. Is it not? I mean, that's a, that's an indictment of a variety of different elements of the team when you're it, talking it about. It really arrogance.
1: is. It really is, and I, and I believe uh, Doug Armstrong was on with uh, Curbs and Alex. Yeah, the post-game show from LB Clarks. Clarks. Yeah, and he agreed with it. So obviously, uh, Army and Barubi have had that conversation behind the scenes and pinpointed that word, arrogance. But yeah, it's accurate, and You know, people say, well, you don't play bad teams in the playoffs. Well, guess what? you got to make the playoffs first, right?
2: Now things are getting a little— They are. I mean, I was kind of taking it for granted. I, of course, attacked Jackson when he said, you know, assuming the Blues are in the playoffs. And I go, look at this guy. Now he's saying the Blues won't be in the playoffs because he hopes they won't be in the playoffs. just (laughs) trying to really destroy his career at 24 years old. That's right. Because that's the way I was raised. And so now you look at it and you're going, okay, 79 points. And then the next team is at the top of the wild card, and that's the Predators. And they're at 78. And here come the Stars at 75. And, you know, it's not like Vegas is all that far behind at 74. And the Canucks are at 71. And you're going, this isn't a guarantee anymore and that wasn't the way i think most people were thinking certainly not entering the month of march and now exiting it you go man this is this is kind of up in the air and based on the way they're playing i don't think too many people would would
1: be buying stock at the moment yeah you had a four or five point lead on uh what minnesota not too long ago and then six or eight points on some of these other teams but you know how big was that win over Nashville to pull that out there at the end after blowing the three goal mm-hmm. lead, and you know those two points are, are critical there. And you know Minnesota they made some changes at the deadline. I think they got a uh, a win last night, so they jumped back over you. But yeah, the Blues went from you know hosting Minnesota in the first round of the playoffs a couple nights ago to all of a sudden they're going to Calgary in the wild card game. So you know fortunately for them, nineteen twenty games left. Um, you know they got time to get their act together. That's why I think probably Bruby was a little more critical last yeah. night. With, with the words like uh, arrogance, because down the stretch, Tim, you look at that schedule. Uh, the Blues are still going to play some non-playoff teams, and uh, you know they've. They, I mean, there's no choice; they have to get those. And in a
2: normal circumstance, you go, "Good, let's go get healthy." But <laughs> right. with this, you go, Man, "What in the world? Let's just see if we can just play Colorado the rest of the month." All right, so let's uh, let's let's talk about a couple of factors in this thing. No Thomas or Tarasenko on Tuesday night, and they play how they did, but they lose Krug. Krug not out there, of course. Last night, his situation is described as week-to-week, not day-to-day, but week-to-week. So let's talk about that situation. What is your understanding on that?
1: Really tough timing on that injury because you get Nick Letty. You hope that uh, he can help Colton Pareko in that top pair. You like Falk and Krug in that second pair. But now without Krug, you know Letty can step in on the power play and help out there in Krug's absence. But I just think you lose some 5-on-5 power because now you have Scandella. And Mikula kind of flip flopping in that second pair with uh, Justin Falk. You know, Krug's been a good player for the Blues. So you add uh, Letty, it looks like now you've got some extra depth in that area, and now that depth disappears. With crew going out
2: Um, along the lines of the net mining situation Jordan Bennington gets the call last night how would you analyze
1: his performance he was poor Tim he was poor and you know the team in front of him was poor uh, but uh, you know you can't be three-fourths the way into the season and still be talking about the team not playing well in front of him you know I pointed out last night watching the game on Twitter that look there's no defense on that goal right there Uh, Philadelphia just went 200 feet untouched Great shot. Yeah. Beats him far side. It was highlight reel. Yeah, it was highlight reel for sure. But he, he goes, you know, untouched, undetected the entire way into the uh, into the circle there before he gets that shot off. But, you know, that goal, you know, I'm not a goalie, but looks like it can be stopped. Great shot. but And then the other one, you know, trickles underneath him. I'm not down on the ice. You can't see exactly how it goes in. But um, too many times we're talking about three or four goals against Jordan Bennington. And, you know, after he was gaining a little bit of traction... You know, I think we've seen a regression again.
2: Yeah, there have been some step backs. A lot of the texts, and I always like to try to have our conversation then just read through as many texts as we can in our second segment, but I see a lot of the texts just glancing over them. And, man, are we getting a lot of them this morning. Uh, you can text in Air Comfort Service text line 65780. I see the name Ryan O'Reilly, and I'm not even reading necessarily what people are saying. I just see his name in here uh, a whole lot. Uh, so for I don't know if I say it's the first time, but for a period of time... It's the first time since what transpired in June of 2019 that I feel like the man with the C on the sweater is starting to catch some hell. Uh, Your analysis of the situation, uh, both from being the captain of a team that is uh, floundering at the moment and then also his performance on ice.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, first, the performance on the ice. I think he gives you a lot every night. You know, and the offense might not be there. We've said this for a few months now, but uh, he does a lot of little things. He really does. And I think in games where they've been down, he's willed them back. Uh, so I don't have a problem with Ryan O'Reilly on the ice. Like, you know, could he be producing more? Sure. But I don't think he's one of their main issues. Now, let's talk about wearing the C and, and being a leader for this team. You know, when teams have recurring issues like the Blues have, slow starts, uh, lack of intensity, you know, I think it is a reflection of the leadership, not just Ryan O'Reilly, but that that group. The one thing that I'll say about Ryan O'Reilly is post game last night it was Justin Falk who came out and had the critical words. You know, I asked Justin Falk, I said, Do you play down to the competition? And he said, Well, you just set our records 11 and 9. So, yeah, it shows it right there. He goes, I can sit here and try to debate you, but you've got the evidence. We do play down to the competition. You know, Ryan O'Reilly, you know, to his credit, he comes out night after night after night, loss after loss after loss, and, and talks. Last night, he said, we're going to be fine. So hmm. is that his way of handling things? And he walked into that room, Tim, saying that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell him we're going to be fine and keep that positive face. It's fine, but he just came on the stage right after Justin Falk kind of ripped into the team. So you probably would have liked to have seen more from the guy who wears the C being a little more critical there. It's
2: interesting not to say that it means anything, but I do feel like there is some psychological managing that comes with both the guy who is your captain and the head coach. And, for example, not necessarily getting too high after an impressive performance and not getting too low after a bad one. And so it stood out that both Baruby and Falk were especially critical, and it's interesting to me that O'Reilly, you know, exuded confidence, but it's tough to feel confidence Granted, great performance on Tuesday night, but body of work over the last few weeks, it just hasn't been the team that we had seen for the most part through the first four months of the season.
1: Yeah, no, it wasn't. And, you know, I know you and I talked about, you know, uh, O'Reilly's tone and the way he delivers his words. It's usually pretty you know, even keeled. And, and last night, even when he was saying those things that we're going to be fine, it was pretty monotone. So it's mm-hmm. not like you were buying into it. After you watched that performance last night and then you heard a monotone Ryan O'Reilly say, we're going to be fine, I don't think anybody left the room thinking, you know, this is a confident guy, a confident bunch.
2: Right. Uh, well, we are looking forward to taking your questions, your comments, and that's what we're going to do on the other side of the break. Jeremy Rutherford, kind enough to be in studio with us here on 101 ESPN for Balloon Party 65780. and we have a million of them. We'll read as many as possible in the next segment. And then, if you want to stick around at around 10.50, J.R., Jackson's going to play a soundbite from the ABA in 1974 with the Kentucky <laughs> Colonels and the guy got sideways <laughs> with a reporter. And uh, that'll be so what your grandma think before we hand it off to BK and Ferrario for their show coming up at 11 a.m. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson, and the great Jeremy Rutherford in studio. We are taking your texts in the next segment. This is Balloon Party doing business as yuppie and the douchebag on 101 espn
3: we're right back to the balloon party on the tim mckernan podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn
2: well really disappointing sports center update is jackson delivered with inflection and confidence and he's coming into his own and I don't like to work with people who are starting to take a little bit of the spotlight from me. I, uh, <laughs> yes. I like to, you know, it's kind of a Mike Martz, Larry Marmee move. If I'm a little threatened by it, I'm going to yeah. hire a uh, low profile. And now, Jackson, Jr. and I were cheering for him to choke. I was uh, recording it, to post it on Instagram. We were cheering, we chanting We literally choke. were
1: chanting choke five seconds before. And then as he him.
2: delivered his final line, he looked at the camera and kind of pointed, you know.
0: That was flawless. That's super disappointing.
2: Yeah, yeah we're ice in my very veins. Very unhappy about your work.
0: Ice in my veins. This is what I do. When 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 it comes to crunch time, you get the ball to Mister Clutch.
2: Now you're getting positive text, which really bothers me. Nice job, Jackson. You're getting the hang of this thing. That's from the three one four. Maybe it was a meta play. You started oh, yeah. like Sand the Boom the Dynamite kid, <laughs> and now you just do an average job, and people go, "Wow, this Jackson guy the next Costas." <laughs> yeah. All right, we told you we were going to take your questions, your text, your comments. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford in studio here for another segment on Balloon Party. Then we have some what your grandma think, and then we wrap it up and hand it over to BK and Ferrario at eleven o'clock six five seven eight zero. Uh, we were talking a little bit about this during the break, and. Um, I, I don't know what to say outside of its glaring when you look at it. Uh, one of the fastest skaters in the world wasn't out there for when the Blues were mounting a bit of a charge in the third period uh, yeah. in Jordan Cairo. And then Barbashev's time was limited as well in the third period. What do you make of it?
1: Yeah, Barbashev down to what, about eight or nine minutes ice time. Uh, Jordan Cairo, it, it's been a mystery here lately. It really has. Uh, he did not play the last 14-27, Tim. Played just two shifts in the third period. And you're right. It was fast and furious there for a while. You'd think that if the Blues are making this big offensive push, Jordan Cairo's is going to be part of it and he was not. Uh, you know, to me, he's not playing defense. He's not getting back, and what's really uh, mind-boggling is that Craig bruby has been all over him lately. You see the chats at the end of practice off to the side. You know, Jordan Kyrou comes into the media room. We ask him what's going on there, and, well, you know, he just wants me to be harder, and then you go out and you watch the next game, and he's not any harder defensively. Now, listen, for a young, skilled player like him, it takes a while to figure that out. I think that that was the first couple of years with Jordan Cairo, and I think he started to turn the corner. We saw him be responsible yeah. early this year, but he's gone back to uh, you know those ways where he's just you know Sunday strolling back into the zone.
2: Boy, just a, just a damning set of circumstances. Just the loss, the manner with which it started, Cairo not being out there for the final fourteen minutes, and then after the game, you have. Falk saying they're arrogant. Uh, it's it's just not a not a pleasant uh, set of circumstances here, and the playoff race is getting rather tight as the Blues are now a point back of the Wild and just a point up on Nashville and their other teams knocking on the door in the Wild card race. All right, let's go to the Air Comfort Service text line, and I'm just going to read as many as I can. Uh, DA is a victim of his own doing with what I feel were rushed and hasty contract signings slash extensions recently. Way too much Detroit, and I like Letty. Doug, uh, or that's from D. Oh, no, Doug A. Great in the offseason dealing, bad at the deadline. I apologize. Sometimes the texts are broken up and I. Read them like Jackson used to read sports center updates before he became Scott Van Pelt over there. <laughs> That's right. Uh, what are your thoughts somewhat. on that? It, it's trending that way.
1: Yeah, you can make that case. Obviously, Doug has had a, a ton of success, but sometimes you have to undo some things that you've done. And you know that Scandella contract was one of them that I think has has hurt the Blues. And look, we don't know what all goes on behind the scenes, but I think if Scandella has a you know limited no trade clause and he can't go to certain teams, did Doug explore trading him? Uh, wasn't able to and then had to trade Sunquist as a result you know that could be uh, so I think there are some things uh, that you could question I mean you look at some of the deals he's made over the year they've been phenomenal but then you know you had to get out of the Letera deal you, you make yeah. that great trade for Shen so you get congratulated for making an unbelievable trade but yeah I mean just any general manager there's going to be decisions that that aren't good so um, you know I think if you're a Blues fan and you're caught up in the moment, you can look at that situation with that with that trade the other day and and be happy with it or not happy with it based on your feelings for Sunquist so on and so forth. But I just think he's he's doing what he can do based on the circumstances now at the moment.
2: Uh, guys, I think the Blues will trade Jordan Cairo this offseason. That's from the five seven three.
1: Yeah, pretty bold statement there. You know, I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think they do believe in him and we've seen, like I said, we've seen, you know, him play better defensively and, and with some awareness there, but if it continues to not get through and they've got to do things like they did last night, you know, perhaps, you know, that thought is entertained, but uh, I don't think so.
2: Uh guys, uh JR on the subject of leadership, how much and how fast could Nick Letty come in? and look at that locker room and try to offer another leadership voice it's from the 636
1: yeah it's a good question i mean i mean there's what 19 games left like i think that he can come in as a veteran player gain some respect and you know people will listen to him but you know i just can't see a guy coming in and saying guys come on like 60 minutes they know like they know they don't need some guy to come in and tell them that look ryan o'reilly bruby those guys have been saying that all season so um, I'm sure he had immediate respect coming in the locker room, but nothing where he's going to be able to take control take command
2: it, This may or may not be a fair question. I'm going to ask it anyway Because I don't know if you would be able to speak to it or not was there a different Makeup in the room three years ago than it is now I mean there's obviously been some turnover a decent amount at this point point. But as far as makeup in the room, because a lot of what we're talking about, we're not talking about necessarily a bad play. We're talking about words like arrogance and effort. Those are damning words when you're talking about a hockey team's performance and the way they're approaching games.
1: It really is. Uh, You know, it's so hard to compare '19 and and this year, but I'll I'll give it a shot here. Uh, You know, this when you hear things like that and and how poorly things have gone here in stretches. It kind of feels like that first half of the 2018-19 season where you went to the rink. It's like, who are these guys? Yeah. Like, what is this team? But that team was so talented that you felt like once they got on a roll, it was gonna be a you know a steamroll, and and that's what it became. Like January, February, March, that's what it became. Uh, this team, you hear those words, you know, could they turn it around like that team did? Uh, I think the talents there. I just think that for whatever reason, there's so many question marks. Like, why do these things keep happening? Okay, you yeah. got a veteran bunch and you've got talent up there, Tim, but. You know why are we talking about the same things night after night,
2: guys? They're going to lose the last game of the year to Vegas and miss the playoffs by a point, while Vegas sneaks in and then activates twenty million dollars in salary <laughs> from the injured reserve. That's from the three one four. Yeah,
1: I mean that could be the case. It sounds like the GMs might uh, talk about that at the upcoming meeting about that, that little uh, operation that, yeah, the, yeah, that, the, that you could have. There, that yeah. that
2: is uh, awfully creative. Uh, not all great players are meant to be captains, and let's be honest, the last two seasons Ryan O'Reilly has not. Been the goal scorer we need him to be especially as captain alex petrangelo i guarantee he wouldn't have allowed the slacking and the inconsistent play from certain players on this team. The way the team plays is a reflection of the captain, the coach, and the staff can only say and preach so much, but if no one is listening, then it's up to the captain to get everyone going in the
1: same direction. That's from the 980. And I don't buy it for a second. Not one second. Look, uh, yeah, we're not in the locker room, but I've been in that locker room with enough of those guys and talked to them about Ryan O'Reilly and the respect. And here's the thing you know, I wrote a story about Ryan O'Reilly and, and how he captains the team. There's a lot of conversations behind the scenes. Ryan O'Reilly and individuals where he's talking to them getting on them pumping them up he does it in a different way just because Ryan O'Reilly doesn't seem like the guy who's gonna get in a shouting match with a guy or you know do those types of things to rally the troops doesn't mean he's not doing his job as the captain look take take your finger and point to that roster and pick to one of pick one of those guys and say I want that guy to be the captain of this team heck take Alex Petrangelo bring him back put him in a blues uniform and say you're a captain that's going to change what we're witnessing like it's, it's not, this is the makeup of the team. This is the mindset of the team right now that's leading to this. And I don't know that one guy can come in the locker room, say a few words, and we're going to see something different. I'm anxious to see how they
2: play against a really good team in Carolina tomorrow night at Enterprise Center. So, with regards to the first couple months of 2022, when they would have one of these losses, JR against, you know, and also ran, for lack of a better term, to be polite. It was almost a lock that they would come out the next night and just play a ridiculous game. So here they're coming off yet another one of those, and now they're playing against a really good team, and I'm anxious to see what kind of response we see. I think it's a five-star lock. We will see a different net binder, you would imagine, right? Yeah. Um, but then how they actually respond tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny because you and I are always interested in, you know, behind the scenes, you know, how do media, you know, approach their job and how the sausage is made. And, and, uh, you know, I I was going to tell you this is, uh, you know, last night after I did a Blues Live Room, which is kind of like a sports open line, you take the the fans' calls and and answer their questions, I decided, should I write tonight? Should I write a story tonight? You know what? This thing could have like a 12-hour, 24-hour shelf life because if I write that this Blues team... Is poor and we don't know who they are, and you know they keep losing against these bad teams, and then they come out and beat Carolina four to two. Yeah. Then that article uh, had a had a short shelf life. So I think what I decided to do was let's wait until after this Carolina game. It doesn't mean you can't not be critical. You can. So if they go out and beat Carolina, you can still be critical. Hey, what happened the other night mm-hmm. against Philadelphia? But let's let's reassess things after the Carolina game. And kind of take them to task, like, okay, you did it against Washington, you did it against Carolina. Where are you the other games? Mm-hmm. And, and so I decided yeah, to a larger to, sample size. Yeah, kind of hang on till after that Carolina game and see what happens. Never make business decisions emotionally, and I
2: never write columns emotionally. Yeah. I guess that's the best uh, lesson there. Uh, let's see. At this point, Jr. They should ride, or should they ride? Whoso all the way. Down the stretch, what nineteen games yeah. remaining? Is that the math? I mean, what do you think the breakdown will likely be? Assuming that they are going to be fighting for a spot till the final game.
1: Honestly, I think at this point it's got to be three out of every four. Who so? Uh, I know he hasn't been amazing um, this last stretch, uh, but I think what we've seen from Jordan Binnington, you know, you're in too big of a dogfight to 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 give him you know many more starts. So to me, it's got to be three out of every four. Uh, who's so? And uh, you know you'll have to deal with the back-to-backs on a case-by-case uh, situation.
2: Uh, uh, Jr. Why can't Bennington control the rebounds? That's from the three-one-four.
1: Yeah, difficult to understand. There were some uh, big ones last night, and you know, I always preface it by saying I'm not a goalie, but you know, it looked like uh, some angle issues too, and and uh, you got the rebounds. And like I said, I think that uh, Jordan Bennington is in a funk you know right now i think it's a combination of him not playing well and him being upset with himself but i think it probably at some point got to a situation where he felt that you know the team's not necessarily giving him a great chance to get out of it but he doesn't have a leg to stand on with the way huso has played um, you know, why would they have said, okay, well, you know what? Yeah. You're our guy. We have to give you a chance and keep rolling with you. They did what was best for them. Jeremy
2: Rutherford in studio with us. It's becoming a Friday tradition. We appreciate you sticking around like for no two segments. It really is a tradition, unlike any other uh, JR. So you will be riding more of a here is the state of things with 18 left after the Carolina yeah, game. Yeah, who are these Blues? Yeah. And I, and I don't have a great answer for it. I don't have a feel for it. I felt the same thing as you. On the 2018-2019 team, because a lot of the times they were playing some good teams well, and even when they would lose, they were in the game. Didn't see what happened coming, certainly. With this one, just looking back over a number of years, I'm like, I can't figure this team out. I just cannot figure them out. You know, it's a just a different operation, and then also you have this powerhouse in the division that's that's waiting. Should you get past the first round, unless they're in the wild card and they're going through the Pacific.
1: Yeah, you know, you have some uh, good teams who added at the deadline, and the Blues can be a good team. Didn't do much at the deadline, and they're just absolutely perplexing. And these aren't these aren't losses to bad teams. This is you're not watching hockey. They're not playing hockey. What we saw last night was not hockey. I mean, a couple minutes here and there, a nice shot here or there, a hit. But for the most part, you know, when they don't show up, they don't show up.
2: Yeah, and uh, boy, did we get a taste of that last night. JR always appreciate it, man. Thanks yep. so much. Have a wonderful weekend, kind sir. You too, Timmy Jackson. Thank Thanks, you. JR. There he is, Jeremy Rutherford with us. We will take a break, come back with the award-winning. So what would your grandma think? Uh, Jackson, uh, what decade is this one from?
0: 2000. And twenty, the twenty, the twenty twenty decade. So this is actually a couple of nights ago. Oh my God! Boy, know,
2: what, a, what a long winded way to just simply say it was two nights ago. Well,
0: you said what decade was
2: it? Right. I, was I mean, you just to think. kind of struggled through it as if I, <laughs> you know, I was Wayne right and you were Beltran, and I just froze you with yeah. my material. All right. To uh, here comes the. Uh, so what'd your grandma think? On the other side of the break, then BK and Ferrario. This is Yuppie in the Douchebag on on One ESPN
3: we're right back to the balloon party on the tim mckernan podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn sometimes the media asks bad questions like congratulations Um, congratulations i lost you lost yes oh or what went through your mind when you were told that the contract was done What's that? And when that happens, players will fire back. I mean, are you looking to get into a pissing match with you and I? Yeah. That's on. my own question, bro. Now it's time for... So what's your grandma think?
0: Yes, 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 yes. This is from two nights ago? Yeah. Yep. It's uh, it's actually topical. We talked about the Duke Blue Devils a little earlier in the show. And uh, they had a little uh, press conference with four of the players. Unfortunately, I could only identify Paolo Banquero, and I think Griffin is... Two of the players up there, there's four players up there, and a reporter was asking them about some Mike Shashevsky sayings. Okay. And they were a little confused. Tim's instructions here and ask each of you guys to answer this question. And it is one of your coach's favorite words is verve. What does verve mean to you guys when he says it? never
3: heard that. He hasn't said that one. This
1: is shocking. What about spurt? Spurt. Spurt? Yeah. No? And he's got a completely different vocabulary. He <laughs> he's has. definitely saying it. He talks he's a different language to the
0: players, I <laughs> guess. Over here in the middle. What the hell hey, what is it, How do you Ah, confusion amongst the Blue Devils. I think
2: it was a terrible soundbite, and I'm disappointed. And you know, I think it's a horrible way to end what has been otherwise what I would describe a magical week here on Tim, and you're now called Lance. I yeah, see someone called text. me
0: Lance. I think we're going to go with Mark, Sam, and Lance on 101 ESPN. <laughs> There's three
2: guys, but I only hear... One guy who's really self-involved, <laughs> and a guy who talks about the NBA. Who's the third guy? Uh, yeah. So uh, I just—it sounded like we had a microphone at a cocktail party, and I couldn't understand a thing. I mean, that's—that's. That's, that's I what had I... to
0: raise some of the audio levels. The, the Blue Devils weren't talking into the mic too well, which sucks. But they were—they they were asked if they knew what "verve" is, and they had no idea what that meant. And I've heard Coach Case say that. So. You have heard it? Oh yeah, yeah, he says "verve." I don't even know—I have no idea what it means, but he says it.
2: Do you want to see him cut down the nets in his final game?
0: Yeah, you know what I do. Wow, look at you. I do, I do. I re- I like this Blue Devil team.
2: But you like Texas Tech more?
0: I like their defense more. I like Mark Adams a lot. You like the
2: Gonzaga-Texas Tech matchup that you will not be seeing.
0: Yeah, I know. But I like that Mark Adams, when Beard left for UT, he was the only guy to stay back and because he loved the, the team, and that was cool. But uh, it's still a great matchup with Arkansas and Duke. Still a great night. Still a great night, Steve Harvey. BK and Ferrari
2: are coming up next with their self-titled program called E.K. and Ferrario, they were smart. They used their names, not like, say, Balloon Party or Mark and Lance. (laughs) That's coming up next. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN.
3: You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors,